Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Hi guys, my name is Christina Butterworth and I am the kids pastor here at Summit. And it truly is an honor and a privilege to get to be here tonight. Um, I wanted to give you, Pastor Mel and Kim send their love um, They are in Oklahoma still with Pastor Mel's family, and if you would just continue to be praying for them um, as they're grieving the loss of Mel's dad. Um, He actually called me, Pastor Mel called me last night, and you know, like your boss calls, and you like panic. Hi, boss. And um, he just called to check on me and make sure I was feeling good and ready for tonight, and then I like cried on the phone with him because that's what I do. Um, So just so you know, you are not forgotten even while he is far away. He sends his deep love to all of you, Um, and so we will sally forth tonight and conquer. All right? Um, So, um, I have several siblings, I don't know. We've got five of siblings and I'm six, um, but so I have four brothers and one sister and we have out of that one nephew, five nieces with one more little girl on the way. It's a weird flip-flop. What are the boys doing? I don't know. Um, But one of my brothers lives in Pittsburgh and he and his wife have two little girls now. Uh, But when his oldest, Eliana, she was around two and a half, uh, we were all at mom and dad's house just hanging out. And you know, when you have a group of people together, you sort of cluster off. That way everyone, it's hard to talk when there's a group of like seven or more people. I don't know. Um, And Eliana, I seriously debated bringing a picture of her because I love her. I love all of them. Um, She is this curly blonde haired, blue eyed child that has all of this life packed into a tiny body and so it just has to burst out suddenly with like everything she does. If she is happy, she is all in happy. When she is devastated, every fiber of her being is devastated. And every time I like have to turn away and laugh because I don't want her to know I'm laughing when she's crying. But it's so adorable. Um, So she was about two and a half, we're at mom and dad's house and she and I are laying on the floor playing with our toys, doing our high-pitched voices and everyone else is scattered in the room and my two brothers are sitting there talking and her dad, Nathaniel, he's sitting with his back against the wall, so he's sitting on the floor and all of the sudden, we were in the middle of a game, she drops the toy, she scrambles up and bolts to her dad and she throws herself all across his like, He's six feet tall, she's two and a half. So she throws herself across his torso and chest with her little arms reaching up, and she goes, you're my dad! And he goes, wraps his arm around her and he goes, and you're my daughter. And you're my dad! Like, I... I don't know if she just remembered it all of a sudden, but she, she was like bursting, and she did it probably five or six times, and every single time he smiled at her and went, and you're my daughter. And I sat there right, and my little heart's just like melting in a puddle as I'm watching her, because she's so adorable, and she throws herself fully into whatever she does. And it was like she was shocked and excited every time she said she, that he's her dad. Every time, the same like, oh, it's real. And I sat there and actually, this little moment of, man, Christina, do you run to God like that and just 
throw yourself into his arms with that kind of innocent confidence to be able to say, you're my dad. And do you know that just like my brother, being a good daddy, wraps, God wraps his arm around you and says, you are my daughter. Amen. And do you know that, that you can approach him with this joy and exuberance every day? Because quite honestly, um, I am not perfect, and I disappoint myself really frequently. And when I disappoint myself, I, I automatically think, I know God, I know, I'm really sorry, I'll get it right next time. Because I mean, if I'm irritated with myself, the God who is utterly perfect is probably like, dude, get it together. But that's not the God we serve. And he put this gem in the Bible, Galatians 4, verse six and seven, it says this, and so that we would know for sure that we are his true children, God released his spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, you're our true father. Now, we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, we can access everything our father has, for we are heirs of God through Jesus the Messiah. Do you know, when you believe in Jesus and you choose to follow him, God says, you're my son, you're my daughter, and you have full access to me and all that I have. You can run to me at any moment and I will pull you close and say, yeah, my daughter, my son. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas, right? Is that God sent his son to be with us so that we can be with him. And what if I started to live like I knew I was a chosen daughter of the Most High God. What about you? If you're a boy, you can be a son. What if knowing God could actually impact every relationship that's connected to us? What if knowing God actually, that he called you here for a purpose, that you are placed where you are for a reason because God wants to do a great and mighty work and release all that he has to you. What if, right? Because I don't always live like that chosen daughter. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go back to the Old Testament because it makes sense. We're gonna go back to the Old Testament all the way to the beginning to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and we're gonna do a real quick catch up so we're all ready. So in Genesis chapter 12, we meet a man named Abram, and Abram, God speaks to him and he says, I've picked you for you to know me, for your kids to know me, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a blessing. Leave everything you know and come and follow me. I'll show you what to do. And so Abram packs up and he follows God even though he doesn't know where he's going. And if you move forward a couple chapters to Genesis 15, God makes a covenant with Abram to say, I am your God and I will bless you. Your family will be great and I will multiply you. 
and you will be a blessing. And even this land, everywhere you walk, it's yours. And then we move a little bit more forward to Genesis 17. And again, God shows up, but this time to confirm to Abraham, Abram, I'm, I'm really serious. And when God says, I'm going to do something, it's done. Because it was years in between each of these, right? It wasn't, it, when you read the Bible and you read like chapter 14, chapter 15, it's like, and then 10 minutes later, that's, it doesn't say it, but that's false. It's been years, okay? So now chapter 17, Abram is now 99 years old, and he still doesn't have a kid. And God shows up again, and he says to him, it's so certain, I'm changing your name. Now you're going to be called Abraham. Imagine, guys, 99 years with one name, and now you're like, no, wait, call me Abraham. It's my new name. Like, I think I would forget. You'd have to remind me, hey, your, your name's Kimberly now. Oh, yes, that's right. No, Abraham, because you will be father of a multitude, because my promise is sure. So then here's where we pick up. We go to chapter 18, the very next one. And it's a little later that year. He's still 99. He is Abraham, fully confident in his name. And these three men show up. It's the heat of the day, and he lives in a desert. He is 99 years old, just so you know. And he's sitting there, and he sees these three guys coming. And the Bible says he gets up and runs to them. In the heat of the day, when he is 99 years old, and he runs out to these three men, and he says, come, come, it's hot, take a break, I'll get you some food, cool off. So they do. They come and rest, and he scrambles real quick, gets his wife, gets the servants, prepares a meal, and then he acts as the servant. The king of the manor acts as a servant and serves them and stands nearby. And then it says, they asked, where's Sarah, your wife? Oh, she's inside. She could hear, and they said, God said, this time next year, your wife Sarah, who is 89 years old, is going to have a son. And Sarah could hear, and this is the first time she actually got to hear the promise that we know of, and she laughed to herself, not out loud, because who wants to get caught in that awkward moment? So she, <laughs> do you have any idea how old I am, dude? And God says, Why'd she laugh? Have I not said it? Is anything too hard for me? So this time next year, she's going to have a baby boy. And then they continue forward. The three men get up to leave, and this is where we pick up. So they get up to leave, and Abraham, like a good host and a generous and hospitable man, goes with them to set them on their way. And the Lord says... Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the ways of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. They're walking along, and God goes, should I keep it a secret what I'm about to do? Or should I tell my friend Abraham? See, they're in covenant relationship, committed relationship. I am your God and you are mine. 
so sh should I keep it a secret or tell my friend? Like, I hope that this is true for all of us in this room, that we have that inner circle of friends. They're the people I'm gonna call when I'm crying and upset and be like, dude, I'm not okay. And God says, Abraham, he's, he's one of my people. Am I gonna keep it a secret? Did you know that God actually wants to tell you his secrets? It says in uh, Psalm 25:14, the friendship or secret counsel of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. The friendship and secret counsel of the Lord, his secrets are with those who fear him. And if you go to the New Testament, one of the other spots, you've got John 15, 15. Jesus is talking to his disciples, his people who have been with him. And it's before he goes to the cross. And he says to them, no longer do I call you servants. For servants, uh, the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You're not just like, people when you say how you doing good right because that's like the greeting it's not an actual question for people anymore unless they're your people and they say how you doing and i say not very okay today but i can't talk about it right now right jesus says i don't call you servants i call you friends my people because every single thing I hear from my Father, I'm telling you. And that's what he says to you and me. We serve a God who waits for us to stand and draw near to him so he can tell us his secrets. Because God actually has secrets and things to tell you. He wants to tell you his plans. My prayer for the last few weeks as I've been preparing, God, tell me your secrets. God, tell me what you want to do, because, man, I'm in. I want to do it. If I don't know the plan, how can I be part of it? Because God has a purpose and a plan for you, and he wants to tell you his secrets. So, God says, should I keep it a secret or tell my friend Abraham? clearly tell your friend. So God speaks to Abraham and he tells him, here's what I'm about to do. The two guys, who are actually angels, but they look just like normal men, keep on walking. And God tells Abraham, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, they're just over there. They're so evil. The people have done so much wickedness and they're refusing to turn. The outcry against that city is so great I'm going there for judgment. And I love, love, love this. So we pick back up in Genesis 18, 22. So the men turned from there, the two angels, and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and he said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? 
okay, I, I know you said it's like a really bad place, but God, what if there's 50 good people? For 50, wouldn't you, wouldn't you save them? He goes on to say, would you really kill the godly with the ungodly? That's not who you are, you are just. Won't you be just? God says, for 50 righteous, I will spare them. What if there's not 50? What if there's 45? Would you still destroy it if there's 45? For 45, I'll spare it. What about 40? Let's just say there's only 40. Would you, would you still destroy it? For 40, I will spare it. Don't be mad. What about 30? For 30, I'll spare it. What about 20? What if there's only 20 people? Would you still destroy it? For 20, I'll spare it. Okay, okay, last question. I'm sorry, don't be mad. What about 10? What if there's 10 people who love you? Would you still destroy it? For 10, I will spare the city. And then they part ways. God blows me away with how ridiculously kind and patient he is, right? Stop it. I do not negotiate with terrorists, right? I've watched my little niece negotiate with my brother, but I ate half my dinner. Can't I have half my dessert? What's the rule? And it doesn't stop. She'll come up with a new tactic. But Abraham stood there before God and he said, but God, but God, there's good people. One of the good people, his nephew Lot lived there. He knew his nephew Lot and his family lived there. Surely, God, you wouldn't destroy everyone. There's a verse, it's in Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. It says this, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us with confidence. The Greek word for confidence there, it's parousia. Boldness, confidence, courage, especially with reference to speaking before someone of great rank or power. Courage, confidence, boldness. That we serve the almighty God who looks at you and me and he says, you can come to me with confidence, with courage, and with boldness to receive mercy and grace. All that I have I give to you. And I will hear you. We serve a God who waits for us to stand and draw near to him so that we can cry out for others. But here's the thing even with that. So I don't know about you, but I have prayed and asked God for things and I haven't always gotten what I wanted, if that's happened to you. And you know what I've learned? Is that 
You and I get to have a choice. We are, when we believe in Jesus and we follow him, we are God's sons and daughters, chosen and holy, to come boldly before him and say, Father, this is what I need. And sometimes, a good parent will say, no, you can't have chocolate cake, you didn't eat all your dinner. Sometimes a good parent will have to say, no, you can't go outside right now, it's too dark and it's too dangerous. No, you can't do that because, right? Parents are there to give the discipline and the structure and to keep those kids safe and to learn to make good choices and to teach them to know God. We'll get to that. But God, he's not a genie in a bottle that we're like, and also I'd like a new boat. Ta-da! Or, and God, I'd really like you to heal my friend. We get to choose how we respond to his answer. We can be those kids who throw a tantrum and say, I knew you never loved me. It just proves it. You don't listen to me. Or we can be those kids who say, I really wanted that. But I know you're a good father. And I know you have my good in mind. And whatever you do, I trust you. And that you'll be with me through it. Right? God waits for us to stand and draw near to him so that we can cry out for those around us because dude, he wants to work. So we keep going into 19 and I'm just gonna do a quick summary of 19 because Pastor Mel did a deep dive back in June during our Man Cave series. So if you weren't here for that or you haven't heard that message, go ahead back it's in our sermon archives. It's a great one and so awkward. I'll just prepare you and be honest. It's also awkward um, because the Bible tells true things. But what happens in chapter 19 is the two angels get to Sodom where Lot, Abraham's nephew, lives. There aren't, there aren't even 10 righteous people there. But in God's absolute kindness and mercy, he spares Lot and his family, and actually the angels have to drag Lot and his family out to get them away. Because here's the truth. God is both just and merciful. So in God's mercy, he forgives us, he washes us clean, cancels our debt, makes us part of his family, gives us everything he has, through his son Jesus. He is also just. And unrepentant sin will be punished. And so, in chapter 19, we get to see both God's mercy and his justice because the people there are not turning to God. And so he spares those in his mercy and then he rains judgment on the cities and destroys them. And the truth is, you guys, That is the reality. There is judgment, and I don't mean to be Debbie Downer, but this is what we're called to. When we know God, we are called to cry out for those around us and to point them to the one true God because I want them to choose mercy, not justice. I need God's mercy. 
And I want my family and my friends and the people around me to also choose God's mercy by turning to God. God waits for us to stand and draw near to him so we can cry out for others. But so here's my question. If you're reading Genesis 18 and 19, the question I come to is, okay, so God says, should I tell my secrets to Abraham? He's my friend. But how did we even get there, right? Like, why did God have this friendship with Abraham? Go back to chapter 17, Genesis 17. It's earlier that year. He's still 99. Sarah is still 89. And this is a chapter that God changes their names. Earlier that year, God shows up and appears to Abram, because his name didn't get changed yet. God says, my covenant's with you and your kids. You will possess the land, and I'm changing your name just so you remember it every single day of your life. Any moment you hear your name, you'll remember father of a multitude, father of a multitude, even though it looks impossible. And then God says to Abraham in 17 verse seven, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God established his covenant with Abram. Abraham, I don't know what to call him anymore. We're going with Abraham, just know that. And God said, here's the deal. I've called you to know me. And I've called you to raise up the next generation to know me. And then out of that, I'm giving you all of the land. It's yours, it's theirs. Know me and possess the land. And the Bible tells us when we get to the New Testament that every single person who believes in Jesus, who turns to him to follow him, we are grafted in to Abraham's family. We are made part of his family, and so we inherit that promise to know God, to raise up the next generation to know him, and to possess the land. You guys, Our highest calling is to know God. And even if you don't have kids, you're not off the hook. When we know God, our calling is to raise up the next generation to know him too. Because they need to know that there is a God who walks with them, a God who knows them and made them, a God who calls them and says, come to me, my son, my daughter, everything I have is yours. And when we say possess the land, truth. I have visions of being a ninja warrior. I would like to be a ninja warrior. I have zero life skills that make me eligible for that. When God says possess the land, he's not talking about a hostile takeover, right? Going in with swords and guns. eh. When he says that we possess the land, As his sons and daughters, we bear his light and life. Everywhere we go, the Spirit of God goes with us. 
And he's the one who does the work to change hearts and lives. He's the one who draws people to him. He's the one who does the impossible and changes work environments, right? And did you know that there is a good chance that if you are working somewhere, God has called you there and appointed you to be there to bear his light and life and possess the land for his kingdom and glory. And if you go to a school or you live in a neighborhood, he has called you there to possess the land for his kingdom and glory. Because God waits for us to stand and draw near to him so we can possess the land. For about two months now, I have been so expectant for 2020 and I can't give you a good reason. I never have any idea what the next year is going to bring. Maybe you do and you could help me. But I literally never, like, sure, there's these things on my calendar and sure, right? But I don't know what the next year's, I don't know what the rest of today is gonna look like. Probably I'll eat dinner after the last service. Hopefully go to bed at a decent hour. Pick out my outfit for tomorrow, right? Like, I have been expectant for God to work because not all of my family is following Jesus. Not all of them know God and love him. Dude, I want to see God break through in 2020, whether that's his timetable or not. I trust him, but I am praying for breakthroughs. I am praying for salvations. I am praying for miracles, signs, and wonders in 2020 because our God can do it. And I want to see him work. I know he is, and I never want to discount the work he is doing and has done. But dude, I want to see bigger. I want to see more. Not because like chase the big bright things, but because we need it. I know broken people. I could be one of them. (laughs) I know hurting people. I know lost people. I know things that need to change and I don't know how to change them, but I know a God who does and who gives us full access to him to say, come on up. I'm gonna grab you, let's talk. I've got some things to tell you. And I can be like, and I've got some things to tell you. Right? And Lord God, that we would be a people who walks out of this place, who cries out, who hears him speak, and who possesses this land because I want to see our community changed. In um, a few very short days, we will celebrate New Year's. Right? I don't really want to stay up till midnight. If I'm honest, it makes me nauseous. So... Hopefully, I'll be in bed, Um, but if you want to do that, that's awesome. Um, But our church is going to kick off New Year's Day, January 1st, in case you didn't know that, with a fast, a 21-day fast, and everybody's like, yay, fasting is my favorite. (laughs) I know, me too. That's not really true, but I 
Here's what I know. And this is what I tell myself. Christina, for 21 days, you can set something aside so that you can seek God more, so that you can stand and draw near to him and say, what do you want to talk about? I've got some things I want to talk to you about. What do you want to do here? Because the truth is, when we fast, it's a time that we set something aside that we really like to say, I really like it, God, but I love you more. And inevitably, when I fast, there's always things that I'm like, Lord, these are on my to-do list. This fast, here's what we're doing. And every time, he's like, actually, I have a to-do list. Let's work on that first. And usually, it's me work that he does, a lot of cleaning out. And somehow, he takes care of the other stuff, too. Not always when I thought or how I thought, but he's faithful and good. And then, on Wednesday, January 22nd, our fast will be complete. You can rejoice and celebrate. And we're going to come here that night at 7 o'clock, and we're going to do a night of worship. To thank our God for who he is, for what he's doing. Because he is faithful and good. So for us, we get to choose. And I ask you, because I ask myself this, will we be a people who stands and draws near to God? Will we be a people who hears his secrets? Will we be a people who cries out on behalf of others? And will we be a people who possesses the land he's given us? Not because we're so strong and so cool and everyone wants to be like us, but because we are with the one who is with us. And because his plans are so much better than ours. So my challenge for you is this. Will you ask God these next few days before Wednesday, January 1st, ask him what to do for this fast? It doesn't always look the same for every person, but ask God what to do. And then for 21 days, January 1st through the 21st, will you commit to fasting? to spending time with God, standing and drawing near, that we could see him work. And whatever happens in 2020, a year of the unknown, that he would be glorified. Because he will receive all glory and honor and praise. That's who he is. And I want to be part of being one who gives it to him. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for this time to be with you, to worship you, to learn your word. Lord God, right now we commit ourselves to you. We commit the rest of this year and 2020 to you. God, that you would have your way and do your work. You will be exalted, and we want to be a people who exalts you in everything we do. 
that your purpose and your plan would be established. And God, that our community, our families, our friends would know you and walk in the fullness of what you've called them to. In Jesus' name, if you would keep your head bowed just for a minute, um, I have a question for you, and it is this. Um, maybe you're here, and you say, Christina, this is all well and good, but I don't even know God. I never actually made that choice to follow him. I didn't know that I could run to him, that he cared about me. God sent his son, Jesus, to come, to be born and to live a perfect life so that he could die a humiliating and awful death to take the punishment for the wrong things, all of the wrong things that every single one of us have said and done. And he rose from the dead on the third day, which is mind-blowing, and proved that there's nothing that is too hard for him, nothing that can beat him. And when we believe in him and we ask him to be the leader of our lives, he makes us clean and he makes us part of his family. And that's what we call salvation. Is there anyone who would say, Christina, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Would you raise your hand? Um, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. just want to be able to pray with you. Is there anyone here tonight? Okay, then here's my second question. Maybe you're here. And you didn't know. You are a chosen son. You are a chosen daughter who can run to the Lord. Say, my father, my dad. And you want to say, God, I'm committing to come to you that this would be a turning point for me, that I would stand and draw near to you. Is there anyone here that I can pray with tonight? All right, then let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that we get to be with you. God, I'm asking that you would bless every person who's here. Lord, that you would fill them with your fullness and you would remind them tonight, tomorrow, the days to come, that they are chosen, that they are loved, that you would share your secrets with us, that we would cry out for those around us, and that we would possess this land for your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to, uh, we're gonna have, I forgot to tell the prayer team to come up, my bad. Um, we're gonna have the prayer team come up. If you wanna pray with them, if you wanna stay in your seat and pray, you're welcome to do that. You are dismissed. Um, please do just go reverently so that anyone who does wanna stay and pray can. But it is an honor to be with you. Have an amazing night. <laughs>